Welcome to Beyond the Expert. It's a brand new product out of Agoracom, and it's we're speaking with investment experts in the small cap space. Uh, this is going to be the first in our series, and the first one with Lee Hughes. You see him on the screen right now, venture capitalist that I've been following for months with an unbelievable track record because he brings fantastic due diligence. I don't think I've seen anyone outside of Sheldon Inwintosh go deeper and do better due diligence than Lee. Uh, and he's also got the ear of some of the world's biggest funds that are applicable to the spaces in the small cap industry. Uh, and he's advisor to several of these companies as well. So let's have our first one together. Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks, George. Appreciate the intro. Hey, look, uh, I appreciate what you've been able to bring to the small cap world in terms of you know, you're on you're on boards, advisory boards. You bring big funds to the table who are paying attention to some of these uh, in, investments. We're going to talk today about three companies, Mountain Valley MD, X Phytotherapeutics, and Valio Pharma. But before we get to those, give us two or three minutes on you and why people at home who are watching this or listening by podcast, what they should know about you in terms of the kind of time and effort you bring into your research and that you bring into the bringing investment you know, from, from, from companies around the world into these small caps. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it'll be really brief, but you know, from Australia, living in living in Vancouver, Canada, right now, what what better place to live when it comes to, I guess, the junior micro caps companies? Um, you know, I've I've been fortunate enough to be able to work with you know some pretty significant private equity funds over the last you know three to five years, uh, not just here in uh, in Canada, but also in Europe and and parts of Australasia, uh, and also you know I've been fortunate enough because of work that I did. In Australia, working with you know a plethora of mining companies, uh, not just um, you know ex junior explorers, but also blue chips. Uh, fortunate enough to be able to you know work with some very significant businesses, uh, producers across uh, multiple fields in Australia. Uh, through that, I've been able to work with a lot of the institutional um, side of investment, uh, which obviously is uh, you know a, a good place to learn and cut your craft. Now coming over here to Canada and, and looking and seeing how obviously capital gets deployed. With some of these disruptive, you know, extremely talented junior microcap companies, uh, adding, you know, putting some of that, I guess, um, perspective of what happens at private equity institutional world into some of these really undervalued, undernourished businesses and, and watching them grow has been super exciting. And I think we're seeing that, you know, over the last 12 to 18 months, we've just seen so many, I guess, vertical darlings, if you want to call it, out of Canada, really take the world stage and, and, uh, and put themselves out there. You've accomplished something I, I, of the many things you've accomplished. I'll tell you what, I, what I'm most, most impressed about. And I'm impressed with a lot of stuff you do. But the one thing you've done is you've, you've been able to bring private equity uh, money into Canadian deals that I've always wondered, but I never had the contacts, but I've always wondered why aren't private, big private equity funds from around the world taking a look at these Canadian small caps? They're highly regulated, uh, great reporting, uh, you know, liquidity, everything you want, and undervalued. I mean, just some of the companies like Mountain Valley MD that it was 10 cents just a few months ago, you know, uh, but the world didn't know about them. And you brought those companies, uh, you know, you, sorry, you brought that the private, the, the, the private money, that fund money into these, into these companies. What is their appetite for the Canadian markets now that they've had a taste from you? 
Uh, well, I wouldn't just say it's from me. I, I think we're seeing a lot of really, you know, high, perform high performers this year that have just accelerated their growth potential and we're seeing it now. Um, so I wouldn't just say it's me, but, you know, uh, I'm looking at some of the mandates and seeing how some of the, the mandates of these uh, funds or, or, you know, institutions or even high net worth venture capitalists, how they've changed their risk profile to be a little bit more risk adverse. Um, you know, it's private equity gone are the days where uh, a 10% return over the year, a combined average return over the year is, is considered a big success. You know, the, the ability to get access to information uh, now on businesses is second to none. I mean, we, we, we're, we're stuck in our homes. We're kind of forced to adopt a new way of accessing information about a business. Um, and look, you know, I, I've seen, I've seen a particular, you know, a few funds that are prepared to, clip off a little bit of their portfolio and maybe put that into the higher risk bracket because why would they miss out on these opportunities that, you know, retail investors are, are clearly taking advantage of and to, to what, to maybe, to maybe make their funds a little bit more robust going into the future when we, when we possibly will see, you know, market sentiment dip off a little bit, you know, whenever that takes place. Yeah. The amazing thing is if I'm a, if I'm, if I'm George go private equity, and I've got $100 million in my fund and I'm used to making 10%. If I cut out just 2% of that and say, all right, you know, I'm going to list the guys like Lee and others and find some great companies uh, in the Canadian small cap markets. Well, if that 2% doubles or triples, man, the, the overall performance of the fund just skyrockets. And all you do is risk a couple percent of the portfolio on some really yeah. great small caps. So that's, uh, that's got to be a big part of this. And you've done a great job yeah. at that, man. Yeah, George, honestly, like, you know, think about, think about a few sectors right now. Think about biotech. Think about what biotech looked like two or three years ago. Dead. Like in Canada? In Canada could, dead. Yeah. I'd even look uh, at could, could Quite possibly couldn't even get a bid, some of these companies. Yeah. You know? uh, think about um, disruptive tech, you know, AI, um, uh, you know, there's all these new acronyms and that, that have been that are you know, buzzwords. That Augmented are, reality, uh, virtual reality, immersive yeah. experience. Yeah, all of this. exactly. EV. I mean, we're seeing these EV companies just absolutely go crazy right now and blow up because obviously the need for, you know, people are, are now more aware of, of what the EV space is going to do for our future. Uh, these disruptive tech categories to me are, are, are an amazing place to be and and what better place to, to be doing that than in Canada, as we know, where, you know, people are very aggressive when it comes to their investment capital. And uh, we're seeing a lot of that now. Yeah, and that's where you and I are in agreement that the next decade, the Agoracom thesis is this decade will be dominated by disruptive tech small cap companies that will generate three times more wealth in the last three decades combined. That's how big it's going to be. In I my agree. opinion, I don't know if I'm too aggressive or if you think more than that. No, I, I don't. I, we we're just talking about it before we, we started this, you know, um, CES, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is held in Vegas every January, you know, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people go and attend it. I've attended it a couple of times this year. I attended it virtually, which, you know, um, was, was a new experience. But wow, talk about the presentation capabilities of some of these companies and how creative they've got to be able to make that such an amazing experience. It was fantastic. But you know, one of the wrap-ups from that 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 key key speakers were were was were stating was they've never seen such a, a such a huge gap get filled with disruption last year because we were forced to adopt and adapt. Yeah. Then now, I mean, maybe even five to ten years of light speed 
creativity all wrapped in one year to now see that you know see that potential come to the marketplace right now is i mean it gives me goosebumps sometimes to be honest with you we just had and now and then we'll now we'll continue the conversation about the companies but we just had our first client hit a billion dollar mark cap and blew past it uh pyrogenesis pyr tsx on its way to nasdaq and hit 1.4 billion dollars uh it's the first one, right? But Lee, you yeah. think there are going to be multiple billion-dollar companies coming out of the small cap exchanges? Honestly, in the, in the next I few do, years, I really do believe that. Uh, you know, uh, I can give you a couple of examples as well. You know, uh, of, of what I think is going to happen this year with some of these businesses. I mean, honestly, I think biotech is going to create some 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 big some big unicorns for for Canada. Uh, the fintech category to me is a is an amazing category to be in. Uh, I think we've got to a co-client there in peak fintech that are about to, you know, see their journey go to the NASDAQ and, and maybe even the big board TSX. I mean, what an amazing, you know, rapid growth they've seen in, in six to eight months, uh, you know, disruptive tech call it. And that's obviously very, very broad speaking right now, but, you know, and, and obviously we see crypto coming in and, and becoming a lot, you know, more accepted by, you know, uh, the broader marketplace. There's so many companies here, in, in Canada that are, that, are, that, are, that are sitting right in that niche environment. I mean, we're talking about Voyager before, Voyager Digital. $21 yeah. stock, couple of billion dollar market cap nearly. Yeah. Just raised $200 million in, I think, overnight. Uh, I mean- This just didn't happen in the small cap world. I Look, I've been doing this no. for 23 years. It just didn't happen. And now, and even two, three years ago, three years ago, it wasn't on the radar, uh, mm-hmm. except for some cannabis stuff. Obviously that was, a, that was a more of a craze. But, but now it's happening to great companies quite often. Bond agree. deals, big financing. Agree, agree. I mean, you can bet your bottom dollar that the big pharma and, and big tech aren't going to be missing out on the mushroom space, the psychedelic space like they did with cannabis. You can clearly tell that, right? So, yeah, I, I think people are just, and, and at the pointy end in, in the, the big private equity or institutional world are just, they're paying to play. It's good. It's good to see. All right. Let's talk about, I mean, we got the great thing about this series for everybody at home, this series is that we're going to be talking about dozens of companies, uh, but we're not going to cover them all in one day, but that's why this is going to be a great series. So today it's like, we're more on the life sciences, pharma side. Uh, we've got Mountain Valley MD, X Vital Therapeutics and Valio Pharma. So let's start off Lee, if it's okay with you, of Mountain Valley MD, which if you don't know, trades on the CSE. I know you know, but for people at home, MVMD. And uh, in the US, MVMDF. Uh, my brief intro, to understand this company, all you have to know is they take, they take existing vaccines and drugs and deliver them better, both into the body and into the world, uh, way better, potentially global changing. Let's talk about Mountain Valley MD. Tell the world what they need to know uh, as far as what they do, and then tell the world where you think it's, it could be it could be headed as a company. Look, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, George, to be honest with you. It's, it's a very difficult story, actually, to tell the broader market or retail because of just how technical it is. And obviously, um, with the amount of verticals that it's, you know, doing business in, you know, uh, when I first met Mountain Valley, you know, end of November last year, I was really fascinated by Mike Farber, who's their head of life sciences. And I know you've, you've spoken to him, such a powerful um, human being, actually, with his storytelling and, and how he wants to change the world. 
uh, was initially for me, it was the disruption that Mountain Valley MD can have in the ability to potentially bypass cold chain. Uh, you know, understanding now that logistics and transportation of vaccines is in somewhat one of the hardest challenges that the world has to be able to eradicate diseases. And it's simply a lot of it is because of that, that issue of transportation and logistics. And, and if you don't mind, because there are going to be a lot of new people, yeah. what is the cold chain and, and the problem that it, in 30 seconds, because it's easy to understand, yeah. but I want them to hear it from you. The, and, how things yeah, are and please, obviously, just for the, for the audience, just understand that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a scientist or a technical person, so I, I'm, I'm going to do my best here. But, you know, vaccines having to sit within a particular tempered environment, I think it's two to eight degrees or something like that, and having to be sitting in a refrigerated environment as well and then moved moved all around the world via transportation methods obviously needs a lot of power and it leads it, it, one and it needs a lot of logistics um, effort now imagine if you can take a, a potential vaccine and and have it storing outside of that cold chain environment so simply 20 to 40 degrees and have a life cycle that's you know maybe years and with an efficacy level that is extremely high I mean, that's a game changer. You're talking about things like polio and, and other, you know, diseases or chronic illnesses, whatever you may want to call them, that have not been eradicated a lot of, and simply because of that issue. Now, imagine yeah, if, for everyone at home, they can't get rid of polio because there are villages in, in India and Asia, parts of Asia and parts of the world that, man, they don't have grid power, let alone yeah. infrastructure, cold chain. That's why these things still exist. Yeah. MVMD is developing technology that for vaccines to exist outside of that. Yeah. With that. Exactly. And you know, that's a multi, multi, multi billion dollar lane on its own. Uh, Dennis, the CEO talks about that a lot. You know, obviously we're in COVID times right now. Um, you know, vaccines are being rolled out. Some of them with hesitation um, by, you know, not just the broader marketplace, but governments as well. We're seeing that um, maybe people are having to treat with caution. We're now seeing that there's a potential drug called ivermectin, which is off patent. Uh, I think Merck uh, had the initial patent um, uh, originally. You know, it's it's sold as a tablet form. You know, uh, one of the one of the great things that Mountain Valley has been able to do is 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 take ivermectin and put it into a solubilized form, um, and then look at how that can then be used and treated and delivered in an, in in another way, simply. Uh, so, you know, in, in a solubilized form being delivered to every human or every animal across the planet to potentially, as some of the key advocates across the globe are saying, um, potentially eradicate the, the COVID or sorry, exterminate <laughs> COVID-19 uh, is, is something serious that business is, is taking serious. It's just gone to, I think, level four biosecurity clinical trial testing, which has been accelerated. You're talking a three-year process to normally get that to even take place. Happens, it has been put forward within four to six weeks. That happens for a reason. We're seeing the ivermectin story now go global. We're seeing a lot of a lot of countries, um, underground health um, organisations use it because of its anti-parasitic nature to treat some of the symptoms or even the disease of, of COVID-19. Mountain Valley is in that lane. The other lane is, you know, dose sparing. Imagine being able to take a, a, a particular vaccine that we used to have injected in our bodies 
uh, and now have it maybe delivered in an oral dissolvable film or sublingual, whatever you want to call it, with you know one eighth less or, or seven eighth less of what we needed to take before, which is i.e. dose bearing. Again, I mean the treatment of that, not just in a COVID nineteen vaccine, but for potentially multiple different, yeah, uh, you know, uses. I think it bears. I think it bears saying, Lee, that Mountain Valley actually isn't primarily a COVID nineteen emphasis. Their their number one emphasis right now is is uh, polio. When I got it, when I got involved in in Mountain, when I chose to get on get involved with Mountain Valley as an advisor, the the ivermectin COVID nineteen story narrative wasn't even there, right? So people have jumped on that, of course. I, I honestly believe that it's probably one of the smallest lanes that the business is in, right. but it's a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar lane. Um, big farmer are waking up. The, the, on the stock side, as you've seen, I mean, we go back to, you know, building a backbone of a business um, or a spine of a business today. through, you know, looking at institutional and private equity um, world to take position i mean the business is this i think it's traded over 200 million shares in six to eight weeks which is just amazing with you know very 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 little awareness um and and marketing activity uh of the that the typical companies would do but we've been extremely selective obviously agoracom's been a great platform for that and getting the message out um and and look i honestly believe in in the mountain valley md life cycle from an investment perspective in terms of what's being told to the marketplace and the upside, I still think we're at five to ten percent of what that could possibly look like. Man, and you know what I love about it, Lee? It's not just exciting from a capital markets point of view because we all like to make money, but man, somebody actually posted this to Twitter, and and I and I and I thought about. It, I said he's right. They said that Mountain Valley, if they pull this off, and man, they seem like they're close to it. They they could win a Nobel Peace Prize uh, for for this. Yeah, uh, look, you know, the following is has become quite viral, to be honest, and for good reason. You just got to listen to the operators, listen to Mike Farber. You know, I could literally spend days listening to that guy talk about what he wants to do to be a change maker or a change agent in the world of what of the lane that he's living in. It's I mean, the, the guy. The guy lives at work. It's he lives and breathes that business, and he's not going to stop. Um, the CEO Dennis Hancock, very impressive operator, um, very diligent with his approach of of you know unraveling the narrative that is Mountain Valley MD. You know, it's it's being done with a lot of patience. Although they they're getting a lot of stakeholders and and businesses across the world trying to force them to move faster, of course, because of how exciting the narrative in the business is. But of course, as you know, I mean, look, and again, Canadian biotech, right? It's a 500 million market cap, I think today, but it, I honestly believe that, that it has all the upside to, to be another Canadian unicorn, possibly in 2021. And, you know, that's exciting. And by the way, and then now, and then we'll move on to Valio. The reason my a lot of people don't know this, but Lee came in our, in our last interview with Mike Farber. You said he literally works day and night. His father, and he shared this with us online, so I'm not sharing anything private, but it's very touching. Is one of the most emotional, powerful moments we've had in an Agoracom interview. His father had a lifelong difficulty with polio, ended up dying from it. Yeah, and it's amazing how many great things come in this world because someone young lost someone to something 
and they just became so determined to solve that problem. And he's right there. So, man, we could keep talking about Mountain Valley, Good. but that, that <laughs> I, I want to make sure people knew this isn't just a profit game, right? We're all capital markets people. We know this might be made, but if you can help save big parts of the world, I think that's, you take pride in your company at that point. Well, that's why I love the pharmaceutical healthcare and biotech space, to be honest, George. Next company, let's talk about Valio Pharma. Forever at Home trades under VPH uh, and VPHIF. And again, an Agoracom client, full disclosure, but we're talking to Lee about his thoughts. For those of you who are new to that company, so what you need to do, uh, it's not very difficult to understand. They're already a commercial stage revenue generating Canadian pharmaceutical company. And what they do is they acquire Canadian rights to you know, commercial already proprietary drugs that have already been commercialized. And they just acquire the Canadian rights, uh, and then they, they and and then they sell them into the Canadian market. I know it sounds almost too easy, but there are a lot of specialty drugs out there where the Canadian market just isn't big enough for a, a drug for a drug company to come after the market. So Valley kind of fills that gap, and they're approaching EBITDA positive. They got nine products currently marketed with a forty million dollar estimated peak in sales per year. Another seven in the pipe for another forty five million. And um, and their and their and their blood thinner, for lack of a better term, uh, is just got approved, and I think that alone could do thirty million dollars a year uh, when it's up and running pretty pretty soon. So this is a great company. Talk to us about uh, Valio, Lee. Yeah, look, I uh, I started getting involved with Valio April, I think twenty yeah April last year. Um, just became a you know really attracted to their to their CEO, Steve Saviak, and the way he has built businesses in the past and understands, you know, the generic pharmaceutical world. Uh, he's, he's done, uh, you know, he's done some pretty, pretty significant transactions in the past. And, you know, after seeing where Valio uh, was in, in April, I guess they're at a very serious inflection point to, you know, really rapidly, you know, grow the bottom line or, 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 and also have a healthy balance sheet for the business. It's been sitting idle and building over a number of years. Um, you know, you're right. Some of the uh, generic off-patent drugs that they've been able to lock down um, with, you know, exclusivity across, you know, various geographic countries, I guess you could say. Uh, massive marketplaces. You look at Redesca. I mean, the Rede you, you hit the nail on the head there again, George. You know, $30 million in revenue to me is a, is a blip. I think they can do a lot more. They can become a lot competitive in their space. They've, you know, they've got Hesperico, which is another nutraceutical, which I know that they've just started shipping and distributing even with Amazon down in the US. Just uh, ordered, just ordered our first one. It came a few days ago, so we're going to be we're going to be showing that at some point. Yeah, there you go. And you know, there's 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 research projects taking place there. Uh, you're going to really see. Uh, the acceleration of some of their other drugs, which, you know, Yondelis and a few of the other ones that they actually took um, uh, to, their, to their shareholders yet last year, actually, and announced Q3, Q4, I, I believe. Going back, there's been such a, a lot of stuff that's happened with Valio last year. Um, I do know that Valio, unfortunately, got stuck in the queue with, with Health Canada and some approvals and, and other things in Q4 last year, which slowed things down a little bit. But at the same time, when things slow down a little bit there, it allows the business to catch up. You know, I went to Valio's warehouse in December last year or November last year. It was just, I mean, it's a serious facility. You go down the back, there's just 
new refrigerated units all ready to go to stock up, you know, to stock, restock. And that's all going to go somewhere. They're certainly not just investing capital in a big warehouse and, 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 and refrigerators to, to have them empty. So 2021, I know for the businesses is going to be one about execution and deployment on the revenue side. And from what I've been told too, you know, um, I know that management are, are in talks with all the time about increasing that product list. Um, and of course, that's their job. That's their job, exactly. And Steve's a smart guy. You know, he's, he's been doing this for a very long time. He just brought in a, a new um, chief operating officer, I believe, uh, who has big boy experience, big farmer. So I'm sure that if you can connect the dots and read between the lines there, that's been done for a reason. Uh, and look, you know, um, I, I, see this, I see the company is well capitalized, you know, bought deal last year. And I think Q3 or Q4 last year, we, we got a bought deal done um, with, some, with, some, with some good names. So they're capitalized, they're dangerous. They have uh, wings, you know, they have uh, wings, uh, wind in their sail as to speak. And, and Steve's uh, got a, run rate, a, a runway now of, you know, the whole year to try and get his revenue up. I think there was some forward projections. Correct me if I'm wrong, George, because I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I even think that there were some projections of maybe, you know, 30 to $60 million being a target at some point. Now, if you look at multiples on that, I mean, in that space, you know, I'm looking at Medexis's and HLS Therapeutics and a few others, you know, they're trading at seven to 10 times revenue, some of them. I mean, I think, I think Valios are, are what, 100 and, or maybe- uh, I've got it at about a $75 million mark cap right now. There you go. So upside, I see, I see a lot of upside um, for, for this name for sure. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a super tight structure as well, which is great and inside is own a lot. And for people at home, one thing that's always scared me about small cap pharma is they just don't have enough money to get through all the testing and development. And the great thing about Valio, it's an in-licensed business model. So they got no development or clinical risk. They literally go to Georgecom Pharma uh, somewhere in uh, Europe who's serving some big markets there, doesn't really have a desire to, open, to, to sell the products in Canada because they don't have any contacts, uh, too expensive to start. And you know, remember, Canada's 35 million people at the end of the day, right? Uh, just just too too expensive and too risky. So Valio goes to George Com Pharma and says, hey, we're going to take that. We'd like to take that ABC drug that's already been proven, already gone through clinical trials, already successful, uh, and we just want to license it and bring it to Canada. And you know what George Com Pharma says? Great. We didn't have plans going to Canada anyways. So if you can take it and we enter into a licensing deal, that's just extra money that we never thought existed. So it's a fantastic business model. And that's what they did with the blood thinner uh, that you just mentioned earlier. It's proven, it's been around the world uh, and it's cheaper. That's why uh, the company so, so that put out that press release said they think they can do $30 million a year from it because every hospital needs it. They don't have to convince everybody. Everybody needs this blood, you know, blood, thinner, blood thinner drugs. But the difference is, Valio can deliver cheaper than the competition. And if you know about the health space where it's all government in Canada, if they can save money on a massive product like blood thinner that everyone needs, they're going to do it. So, uh, you know, yeah. that, that's just an example of Valio and, and, and why we both like it so much. I'm going to move on text fight yeah. unless you want to finish, add something on there about Valio. Yeah, just one other thing, one other thing there. I think it's important because you mentioned it with the Mountain Valley MD, you know, the, uh, and, and I'm like you, I come from the same 
cut from the same cloth, I guess you could speak, is I really do like these businesses because not only are they disruptors, but they're disruptors in a good way from, you know, uh, they're doing things to make the healthcare sector better. And to me, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Very, very good point. And last company, Xphyto Therapeutics, XPHY in Canada, XPHYF in the US. Uh, I'll give the brief description there. They're a technology accelerator uh, at the forefront of bioscience innovation. So what they're doing is they're incubating next generation biosciences to solve, you know, 2021 health issues uh, in the infection disease screening market, as well as developing psychedelics to treat multiple mental health issues. So they're focusing on right now, commercialization of a rapid COVID-19 PCR test, uh, psychedelic API production and drug formulation, uh, and drug formulation and delivery. So that's a good 30,000 foot shot there for all of you at home. Tell us about Lee, Lee why, why you, you, you really are bullish on XFIDO. Yeah, another narrative that's very tricky to, to tell a, a retail audience, especially in this format. But look, I, I've actually been involved with XFIDO for, as a, I mean, full disclosure, as a private investor, 20, late 2017, early 2018. That's how forward looking this business was. Um, you know, new drug delivery methods, um, you know, taking, uh, you know, compounds and, and, and making them synthetic or, or working with different molecules and, and working out ways to be able to deliver them better. Uh, again, with dose sparing and, and uh, bioavailability um, at, at, at front of mind has been ex in Xphyto's tank since, literally since back then. Um, the business, and, and to give you an example, the business is working right now in the fields of, you know, epilepsy. You know, how do they take an epidiolex from a GW farmer that just got acquired by Jazz Farmer, I think for seven point something billion dollars, by the way, and deliver it better? Um, you know, they're going to be doing that through an ODF, an oral resolvable film, which, you know, has, which is cheaper, higher bioavailability and easier to to take as a, as a, from absorption. They're working on being able to re-deliver, you know, Parkinson's drugs to be transdermal patches. Um, they're working on, on multiple different, you know, diseases and, and illnesses that obviously, you know, um, we want to go away and ways to be able to treat the symptoms of that. Uh, the business is working um, in extraction methods to be able to obviously take things in the psilocybin or the mushroom space and actually create, you know, real, APIs, um, and there was a, uh, an agreement or relationship that just got announced last week with, with a company called API out of Canada, um, using licenses to be able to, you know, extract and take different psilocybin compounds or molecules and, 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 and produce them as, as real synthetic drugs. Uh, I know that there's a lot of businesses in that space in Canada saying that they're going to do that or they're applying to do that. Exfato is doing it. Yep. I mean, they're, they're, they're rapid COVID-19, just example, the rapid COVID-19 PCR test, which uh, can provide results in 25 minutes. They're, they're, they're saying production is going to launch here in Q1 2021. These guys are making it happen. They're not just look, using it as a buzzword. hundred uh, percent. You would have seen that there was a press release out in Q4 last year where, you know, there was the appointment of a, you know, a Norwegian advisory firm and also a, a director um, that joined from, from, from Norway. I mean, 
that, that that's serious. That's serious capital when you start talking about Scandinavian markets like that. Uh, you know, they've got an, an executive team and a, an advisory and a science team out of Germany that are on, you just got to Google the guys and, and, and look at their resumes. I mean, one of the guys there is, I think the only thing he hasn't won is a Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, the guy's considered top tier in his, in his field in, in, you know, in biotech. A lot of these guys have been around the Curenvacs and the Biontechs and, you know, all these, you know, biotech names now that it's sort of becoming household out of Germany. The diagnostics space or arena that they're playing in is serious. Um, the PCR test uh, that I know that people are, 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 are waiting on the edge of their seats for the results on that. Um, hopefully getting, you know, gold standard CE mark approval out of Europe is a, is a game changer. Uh, you then can start to talk about serious commercialization now with big corporate. And, you know, there's been a lot of Canadian companies or American companies that have entered the space. They've really tried, they've really, really tried um, Abbott's as well. To, to play this um, testing environment and a lot of failed. Um, a lot of failed, uh, a, a lot of still doing great work and succeeding. And, you know, Fido is really positioned at the top of that group of, I think the ones that are gonna become very, very successful in this arena. And Lee, that's why I think you're so important to small cap investors, why this Beyond the Expert series that we're gonna be doing with you is so important because look, I can recite what they do I can even recite things like, you know, their first product launch could be in Q1 2021. And that's impressive, right? That's great. Okay, good. But what you bring the table is the universal view of what's going on around these companies. Just the fact that you said that right there, that so many companies have tried and failed. I don't know that. For all I know, you know, there are 10 other companies in the running who are bigger, stronger. I have no way to really assess the risk totally, right? Yeah. Uh, but you can, and you put your money where your mouth is because you you invest these companies, yeah. you advise with these companies. And, and that's why this is so important, man. Yeah. And the testing environment too, that I think people get a little bit confused about is they see a company getting into the diagnostic space or, and they're going to go and, you know, try and do these COVID-19 tests, whatever it is, lateral flow piece, whatever it might be, antigen tests and get scared because they go, wow. Okay. What happens then though, if they become successful, do they have the capital to manufacture? How does that whole process work? Well, the beauty about Exfido is that they've built a platform that enables them to partner with manufacturers. There's more than enough manufacturers out there in the world that can do massive, massive, massive scale um, and, 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 and go, go big size, big scale, big quick. That doesn't come at the expense of the business. It's, it's at the expense of the partner. So, you know, I think um, once that narrative sort of comes out into the marketplace a little bit more by the business. I think the, the shareholders are going to understand, wow, okay, this isn't necessarily a dilutive event because they've now made something work. This is actually a partnership opportunity for the business to maybe partner with, I don't know. Um, and there's plenty of big major pharmaceutical manufacturers. I'm also being very careful about what I say right now too, sure, because of I want to bring it on over the wall, but think about that for a second, you know, a, a small company, what 170 million market cap right now, I think X Fido, um, you know, sitting at two to three dollars, it's been an extremely high performer over a couple of years now. Um, from go public at fifty cents, and it's continued to go well. Think about that company now having the opportunity to play in a space at one hundred and seventy million market cap out of Canada. That's that that sector is in the multi, multi, multi billions of dollars on the commercial front, and that's pretty cool. That's pretty exciting, you know. And then not having to worry about the manufacturing side of it too, because 
simply they can go and partner with someone and, and enable all of that to take place and be rolled out at mass scale. I mean, that's a cool story. Hey, Lee, we're going to end it there because the fact of the matter is we could talk about Mountain Valley MD for an hour, X Fido for an hour, and Valio for an hour. But I think we've accomplished our goal here in the first interview of this series, which is give investors a really good look from, you know, from the inside and the outside into each one of these companies and, and let them go do their due diligence, which by the way, so full disclosure, uh, uh, all three of these companies are clients of a Gornet relation. So you got to know that. Uh, and Lee, uh, let us know on each one on uh, Mountain Valley investor advisors, let us know your status in each one of those for full disclosure for everybody. Yeah, full disclosure. So Mountain Valley MD, um, public, publicly announced advisor, um, and a fortunate one at that. Um, Valio have been uh, consulting to Valio uh, since April last year and continue to do so. And XFIDO, uh, the same. So own positions in the business, uh, have done for a, a very long time. And yeah, that's full disclosure. All right. So guys, everyone at home, you got to know that. So uh, Zero Hedge always had a great uh, thing in the disclosure. They said, if we're talking about a company, assume we are completely biased. Just assume it. I mean, we're not, we don't <laughs> talk that way, but assume we are yeah. completely conflicted. So you've got to do your due diligence, talk to your financial advisors, do all that. You can't just take our word for it. If you notice, at no time in this, in this interview did we talk about future stock prices and projections and things like that. Uh, so we, we're very careful. We don't want to do that. What we want and what we've accomplished is uh, making sure that you know about this. Now, step two, you want to make sure, I mean, you're going to see Lee on these interviews, but you want to make sure you, you follow Lee all the time. All right. So you look at his screen right there and you can see his Twitter handle, Lee Hughes, right? At Lee Hughes, L-E-I-G-H-H-U-G-E-S. Yeah, Lee M. Hughes, actually. I probably should get rid of the M, but I had to put that in there because that's the, the first word of my uh, first letter of my middle name. So. All right, so at Lee M. Hughes uh, on Twitter, highly recommend you follow him. One of the best, if nothing else comes out of this, one of the best followers you're, you're ever going to have in the small cap space. Because uh, look, he's always talking about these companies and other companies. Uh, so what a great way to stay up to date. And if you want to follow him on LinkedIn as well, you see it right there. Uh, Lee Hughes, simple enough. Lee, buddy, thanks for joining us. This is amazing. It's our first one. We really didn't have anything scripted. We won't. We just knew the companies we're going to talk about. Uh, and I'm looking forward to doing this. What do you think, Lee? Once a week, once every seven to 10 days, max? Until someone says, don't ever come on again. And I don't know. I'm up to, I'll leave it up to you, George. <laughs> no, well, uh, look, we, love, we love the knowledge you bring. And like we said at the beginning, you're uh, an established, successful venture capitalist. Uh, and you've got great due diligence and you've got great uh, connections in the private equity world that have made some large investments in Canadian companies already. So, man, it's the opposite. Thanks, we'll have you yeah, on until you say, stop calling me, George. <laughs> no, it's good. And uh, I mean, the Agoracon platform obviously has a very big impact in a lot of these stories and storytelling, right? And I think that's the important part. You hit the nail on the head at the very, very beginning. It's about how we take a a really technical story and, and make it retail worthy. And I think that's what you guys do really, really well. So I appreciate that. Yeah, we take a lot of pride in that. I mean, MVMD, if, you, if anyone read those press releases before we came along, I just looked at them and said, oh my God, I don't have a clue what these guys do. And it took me two or three days of walking around yeah. to try and get that. But Lee was a big part of that because 
we spoke for an hour or two trying to really understand what the company does to explain to people. And together we came up with that messaging. And that was, and I think that's made a big difference uh, in the company's awareness. So Lee, thanks for joining us, buddy. This is awesome. Thank you. And for everyone at home that you've been watching or, hey, make sure you're listening by podcast. We know you can't always plop down in front of a screen uh, and, and just watch guys like us. No matter how good Lee's hair looks, you know, there's only so long you can stare at him for. So make sure you follow by podcast, right? So Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform. Just search for Gorecom, a Gorecom small cap. You'll find us because this series is going to be invaluable in 2021. Add it to your podcast. Listen to it when you're walking. Listen to it when you're working out or when you just want to relax and you get great information. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Hope you found it valuable. First ever. We're going to look back on this a year from now and see if we knew what we're talking about. But uh, Lee, see you again in a week, my friend. Thanks, man. Cheers, everyone.